0: I wanted to share with you uh, just a, out of the passage of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and so uh, what I'm going to invite you to do in your groups or uh, individually is to read through the chapter today of uh, Romans chapter 8. It's a great passage and in fact it talks about uh, when we when we get up to halfway through the, the passage it talks about uh, how we face uh, suffering at this time and so I wanted to pick up in verse 23 of chapter 8 and uh, so you can look this up with me uh, verse 23 by the way this might be a really good time to make sure you have got a Bible with you sometimes coming to church you may not think to bring a Bible but this is a great opportunity at home to be going through the word uh, together and for you to personally be finding uh, uh, just the scriptures in your own lap right in front of you so Let me read to you Romans chapter 8, verse 23 uh, through to 25. It says, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Just a few things firstly. When Paul writes this, not only so when he starts this particular passage, he's actually uh, talking about what he had just spoken of, that the world or creation, all of creation, groans under the weight of suffering at this time in preparation, in hope for the redemption and the revelation of the sons of God, or you could say the daughters of God. And so there's this uh, interesting uh, use of the word groan. In fact, just a a verse before it says that um, the earth groans or creation groans as in the uh, pain of childbirth. And so it uses this analogy to explain how um, creation uh, responds at the moment. And so he says just as that is true of the earth, it is also true of Uh, ourselves and so in this part of the passage he says we groan and uh, so think about this he says we groan in the same way that somebody is groaning uh, for uh, in in pains of childbirth about to have a child you see for a child that's being born uh, the labour pains they don't uh, stay uh, hopefully they don't stay too long during the time, but we know that whether it's a few hours or a number of hours or uh, whatever that might be, that that actually it's only a short period before the the child is born in relation to the whole nine months that they were pregnant. And so he says we groan in the same expectation. Uh, My my concern is sometimes when we're in the middle of suffering, we become locked into just seeing the moment. But here, Paul says we can have hope beyond what we're facing right now. I think it's really important for us in this day to really think about what that means for us. Uh, Liz and I know a family many, many years ago. uh, One of Liz's friends from school, straight after HSC, uh, tragically lost his life uh, in a surfing accident. And the sister of uh, Liz's friend, She ended up consoling herself uh, in a a relationship at the time. Well, months later, many months later, uh, she uh, ended up with uh, pains in her stomach. She couldn't work out what it was. She admitted herself to the hospital in a lot of pain. It just kept on um, gripping her. And they asked her in the uh, uh, in the triage, they asked her what kind of symptoms she had. Then they asked Uh, are you pregnant? She says no I'm I'm not pregnant. Well they did some blood tests and they found out she actually was about to give birth. She was pregnant. She gave birth to a baby uh, right at that time and uh, she, she didn't know why she was suffering so much but all of a sudden she had a baby in her arms. I've not heard a story like that before where somebody didn't understand the time that they had their belly even growing I don't know if she felt like she was eating too much, or even the movement of the baby, uh, how she would miss that, I don't know. And then the contractions, well, she was in the midst of something, she didn't really understand what was about to take place. And I tell you that story because I feel like sometimes when we're in the middle of our moment of suffering, where there's tragedies around us, or there's uncertainties, we can get stuck not really understanding the times. This isn't for keeps. Uh, the coronavirus will come and it will go. Uh, there is greater things ahead. That's even bigger than just in the next 12 months. Uh, so we can we can trust that God has bigger things. Who hopes for what they already have? Uh, instead, they hope for what is about to come. And so this is a really good verse to centre on. Uh, this in this circumstance. Uh, many of us might be shocked you know, by that story but equally I wonder whether we'd be shocked to understand that sometimes we don't understand we're pregnant with something that's about to take place in the spirit. Uh, oftentimes Liz and I would say to each other when we hit difficult times, uh, about a, two years ago our car packed it in and just thinking through that time, we laughed at each other thinking, uh, this, isn't, this isn't of God. God, uh, you're going to have to come through in this because we just recognize this isn't from you. And God came through in a way that we never expected. We were so amazed at how he provided for us. Uh, and in that moment, if we can just recognize what we're actually going through right now, just laugh at what the enemy has thrown uh, right in front of us then uh, we oftentimes are able to just pause and go, hey okay God, you've got bigger things ahead. So I encourage you to meditate on this and to talk about it with your group, just those few verses and what it means to, to place your hope uh, in, um, in Father God and in Jesus Christ. And I also encourage you to check in on people just to see how they're going because uh, it's one thing for us to recognize that there's greater things ahead but sometimes we're in the midst of it, you just cannot see what's beyond that mountain that you're facing right now. I can tell you there are a lot of people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, uh, even if uh, you end up outdoors and you, you bump into somebody uh, where you hear their story, you find that people are in the midst of circumstances where they've lost hope. Uh, we were just yesterday, uh, myself and three other pastors were meeting Actually, it was on Thursday, just gone. And just after we finished praying together, we saw uh, just over our shoulder a cafe worker starting to set uh, tables for some customers that had reserved uh, a spot to go and eat there. And we asked her, Hey, we've just been praying. Uh, Is there anything that we could pray for you? And uh, she paused for a moment and she said, hey, I'm going through the most difficult time at the moment. Firstly, my sister-in-law, uh, she's due to, to uh, give birth um, in just the next few weeks and we don't even know if we're allowed to go and be with her in the hospital and so there's so much uncertainty around that. Also, she, was, uh, she went on to say that she's studying at university and uh, she's studying to be a teacher. And this is her final year, but she doesn't think that she'll be able to get a prac to actually complete her studies. And then finally she said, I don't even know if I'm going to have a job in a few weeks, because there's been so few people coming through our cafe. Well we paused and we prayed for her right there and then, and she said afterwards, she said, I feel like there's a peace, there's, I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like something's lifted. Church, we have this massive opportunity to be able to just stand with people, even just to pray with somebody and to just ask, how are you going? So I encourage you in your groups to just ask each other, how are you going? What are the things that you're facing? Be real with each other. Uh, be honest about where you're at. If you're not in a group and you uh, need somebody to check in on you, just drop a line to um, our pastoral care team, uh, to our intercessory prayer team or to myself and uh or even on the chat line, just as you're speaking, as you're listening to this this talk, you can uh, download how you're actually going, and we'd love to be able to uh, journey with you. Uh, it's so important to ask people that question. Let's move on. So Romans chapter eight, uh, the, the verses that we we read. I just want to read it to you again, from verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Do you know? Hope is so powerful. Hope is so powerful that uh, if we, uh, if we will take the time to recognize that. Uh, in our circumstances there's actually hope beyond where we're at. In fact in this particular passage it's not in relation to what's going to happen for you in six months or even in three months or beyond that a year from now. The hope that Paul's talking about is in direct relation to our resurrected bodies. I think this is such a powerful part of this passage because Sometimes we're looking for hope in the now but uh, in the sense of an answered prayer, but uh, here Paul says the hope that he has and that we have is found in the fact that this is not for keeps. One day Jesus is coming back for all of his own. He's been resurrected already. He has a new body and he's the first fruits and the promise of what we will have. We're going to have our resurrected bodies. And so we can have hope today for the fact that we're looking forward to a permanent truth later on, that we'll have our resurrected bodies, whether it's when Jesus returns and we're still all alive and we receive our bodies, or whether we pass away and many years from now Jesus comes and returns, well, for each one of us, we're going to have our new resurrected body. I find that amazing. And I'm trying to imagine what that would look like for us to have our resurrected body. No more groans, no more aches, no more pains. This is the kind of thing. He says, we're groaning right now in our own bodies, uh, waiting for a birthing of sorts, and it's coming. You're going to have a body where you don't groan anymore. The revelation of of a resurrected body. In fact, he says, uh, your sonship is not just when the Spirit comes into you, But your sonship is when you're resurrected also, your spirit and body. And there is this sense of a new birthing, a new age to come. So place your hope in what's to come. Place your hope in uh, the promise that you're going to have a resurrected body. You might even just pause for a moment uh, with your group uh, after this talk just to to, um, unpack what will that mean for me let's understand the hope that there is that we can actually stand in all these things so creation groans we groan and then finally the spirit groans with us listen to this in uh, verse 26 just on from the passage we were reading in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. We're not left uh, here to soldier on through our suffering alone. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and he's placed inside of all who believe in Jesus. It's a promise that is ours. Uh, He becomes our strength. In these times, we need a strength that's outside of ourselves. Amen? And so I encourage you, Holy Spirit uh, is that strength. He gives us the strength to know even how to pray when we're uncertain in these times. When we do not know how to pray, He intercedes with wordless groans. Uh, In fact, um, in verse 27, if I could just read that to you again, it says... uh, In fact, I want to read this to you from the Passion Translation. Uh, it says this, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet He also understands the desires of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Uh, In the NIV, it says, um, that He intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So His destiny, His will, listen, when the Spirit groans on our behalf, when He uh, takes over in our prayer language, and uh, this is where tongues comes in, uh, as we begin to pray and just allow Him to intercede through us, He begins to intercede according to the heart of God. You see, it says here that God already searches out our hearts. He knows our hearts. Now that He, He knows our hearts, and because He knows our hearts, now, when He places the Spirit in us where He intercedes on our behalf, He not only uh, intercedes according to His will, but He does it in reflection of what's in our hearts. And so I want to encourage you, maybe this time uh, in your own personal walk is a time to ask again for the gift of tongues, if you have not already received that gift, and to ask the Spirit to uh, quicken that to your spirit. I know for me that came at the end of exhausting myself because I was trying to push something uh, of God or trying to rally God for something out of my own strength or out of my own will. But if we'll just simply receive the promise that He has for us, we ask, but then we uh, receive. And in faith, you need to open your mouth. Uh, for him to use it and uh, he will fill the words in your mouth. We're just with a, uh, one of our church members just this last week is new to our church and she received tongues for the first time uh, only the night after we prayed for her. And she said it was like a waterfall that just rushed over her and she said her tongue just went a million miles an hour but she was so excited. And I tell you what, the Holy Spirit wants to uh, strengthen you at this time. One of the best ways to strengthen you is through tongues. Can I encourage you? Be vigilant around prayer, but be vigilant around allowing Holy Spirit to lead you in prayer with tongues, to lead you in prompting you what to pray for, and to know His heart uh, through your prayers. Okay. Finally, I want to read the the last part of this passage that we're going to cover this morning. Uh, And of course, I'm going to encourage you in your groups to, to read right through the whole passage of chapter 8 and to discuss it together. But let me just read this last portion of this uh, part of the scripture in verse 28. It goes on to say, And we know that in all things God works for the good, just pause there for a moment, He works for your good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Let me just read that again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So no matter what you're facing, God works for your good. He says, in all things, there's not one thing that captures God by surprise where he, he thinks, oh, this is not one area I can work for you good. And he says, this is a personal level now. This is not just he works good for all situations and so some of that might just mean that it doesn't work good for me. But he says he works for the good of all who love him. So it's personal. And so just take that personally for you. What does that mean? That God... Uh, works for your good in fact if, you, if we go into the next portion of scripture we find that he speaks tremendously around the hope that we have and that there's no condemnation because God loves us so much as sons and daughters and so I encourage you in your group or in your personal time just to uh, unpack what does it mean that God works for my good even in this, the midst of what I'm facing right now And what does it mean that his love uh, meets me where I'm at? Uh, If you've received Christ, you've been called. And it it was his purpose to call you. It is his heart that none should be lost. Uh, His his purposes were through his son that all who believe would be saved. And so he goes on to say the very back end of this around predestination. uh, I don't want... Uh, to get sidetracked around the subject of predestination because I think sometimes uh, when we get into those conversations, although they can be intellectually fun, they can sometimes take away from what the gospel is actually all about. And so I don't want you to get uh, stuck on that as a, as a group or personally. But uh, I think there's there's two levels here. One is that he already foreknew you, but secondly, his, his predestined plan was about his son and what his son would actually have in mind for you that His resurrected life was actually uh, true for you and that that you would actually come into the image of His Son. He, he predestined that. He, his, he wants to conform you to the image of His Son. So what does it look like in the midst of your suffering to be conformed to the image?